My guest today in the game podcast is once again, Mark Turner making his return. He is a world-ranked black belt competitor in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He is the owner and the head instructor at the BJJ Lab Naperville, which is an affiliate under the great Damian Maya. He is also a day trader, a musician, and a great all-around guy. And he contacted me and said he had some great tips to help people double and triple their retirement in the next 12 months using some of the things that he has done to do exactly that. So I think you guys are going to get a lot out of that. It was awesome for him to come back on. I very much like and respect Mark. I'm looking forward to working with him on some of the stuff that he's talking about in this episode. I will actually put that into use and I'm going to be taking him up on some of the things that he was offering. So I'm excited to diversify. I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this. And again, Everything you do translates. So the same way he handles his finances, the same way he handles his jujitsu, the same way he handles his music. And this guy is just excelling at everything he puts his mind and his energy and his focus into. I think on and off the mats, this guy is a true, true mentor. And he truly brings his A-game to everything he does. Can't say enough good things. You guys are going to love this. Definitely go back and listen to the first podcast he did uh, earlier in the year as well. And I think you guys are going to get a ton of value out of this. Definitely reach out to him. Check the show notes to see all the ways that you can connect with him to talk stocks, talk jujitsu, check out his music, or definitely come in and check out the BJJ Lab Naperville, which if you're in the Chicago suburbs area or you're traveling through, you absolutely need to come in and uh, and give that gym a try. Maybe take some privates, um, contact Brad. He's uh, the, the guy behind the guy over there making things happen and helping that academy grow. But definitely check it out. Mark Turner, On and Off the Mats, this is a great episode. I appreciate you. Thanks for being a friend. Thank you for all this great information, and I hope you guys get a lot out of this episode. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game. All right, my guest today on the A-game podcast is once again, Mr. Mark Turner, who is the owner of BJJ Lab Neighborville. He is a black belt directly under the legendary Damian Maya. He is an entrepreneur, a day trader, and he's got some great tips to catch up on today to talk about how to make three times the amount of money in your retirement this year like he did in the last, I'd say, 12 months or less. Are we kind of around there? Yeah, uh, you know, I I took what I want to kind of talk about, and you and I had talked about it before, is being able to take advantage of opportunity when it comes, right? Um, you know, I got, I'll say I got lucky, but I mean, you know, there's, it's never really luck, right? Uh, I was actually just lucky enough to have an opportunity come, you know, finan- in the financial markets regarding the coronavirus when that happened and the markets kind of tanked since the, the, or this time last year when the coronavirus lockdowns and all that happened. And obviously it's a, it's a terrible thing. It's an, an unfortunate thing that we've all been dealing with and all been uh, affected by this virus and, and everything that's come along with it. I mean, personally, I, I had the coronavirus uh, towards the end of last year, but you know, even in something so terrible and um, so kind of dire, there, there's always opportunity. And and I think that if you are constantly looking for opportunity, you'll find it. And and I was able to do that with this coronavirus thing. And, 
not out of any kind of special education skill, just because I knew to look for it sort of thing. And it's something anybody could have done. And it's something we could should be looking for in any conditions, market conditions, whether it's like you with the housing market and, you know, say me with the stock market or anything. Could be any business, any, I think we just need to constantly be waking up every morning and looking for opportunity um, to, to kind of better ourselves, better our situation and, and grow and learn and, and take advantage of that when it presents itself. I, I think that's outstanding. Man. And you bring up a, a bunch of good points there. One of them being, even at a time like this where gyms and things are suffering, you know, I recently talked to Brad and he was talking about just even at the jiu-jitsu, the BJJ Neighborhood Academy, how many students you guys actually are enrolling and how good business is. So, you know, there's, I, I do believe it is a mental choice on what you look at, you know, it, the housing market's a great example. You know, when when things right before Corona, every oh, it's it's too saturated. You know, the market's going to tank, and then all of a sudden, this doomsday thing was coming, and then everybody was like, "Run, run, run!" I'm like, "This is what you were waiting for." And now it's back to the same thing. It's just crazy. You know, people just find things to create opportunities from, where they find reasons to to bitch about what's going on. And I think on every level, you you're you're always good. Like your your mindset and what you focus on has always been positive. And productivity, whether it's music or jujitsu or stock trading, and for for anybody who hasn't listened to it, you're you can go back and listen to the prior episode you and I did. But you were talking about day trading, and, and that was a great thing that I didn't realize how many people were were playing and dabbling in the stock market and trying to do what you do. And I got a lot of great feedback on that. I don't know how many people reached out, but a lot of people asked if they could after you were nice enough to offer. But then this GameStop thing just happened, and right. so many people were commenting on it that I was like, I didn't know this person even attempted to do any of that stuff so you know being a guy who's in the middle of that can you can you explain a little bit about what happens for idiots like me who are just watching people on twitter and that's where i got my stock information yeah i mean so the, the gamestop thing is is very interesting right um let me start with what i did for, for with this coronavirus <laughs> because it will kind of blend into what happened with GameStop and that kind of thing. So when the coronavirus thing happened, um, obviously the markets tanked. Uh, there were different sectors that tanked. I mean, airlines, right? Uh, the movie theaters, the casinos, um, and of course, other industries as well. What I did was I actually, I mean, I'm always... I don't want to say invested because to me, I don't really invest. I trade. I mean, I, I do invest. I have retirement type accounts, IRAs and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, I trade my own IRAs. Um, I don't do the whole buy funds and just let them sit there kind of thing. Um, but what I did was I took a bunch of money that I had in savings and started uh, selling puts on everything that had been hammered, like for instance, uh, the airlines, right? So the airlines obviously were really struggling. People took a lot of money out of the airlines because coronavirus comes, people aren't gonna be traveling. Um, and, and those companies took a hit with that. So what I did was, I mean, here's the thing, March, April of, of 2020, 
I didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, at that time in March, we still thought this thing could be the world ender. We didn't know that it wasn't as bad as it could have been, thank God, right? But we didn't know that. So I don't know when the airlines are going to come back. I don't know if they're going to come back. I just know that in this world, people travel. And and it's one of those things where we talked about on the podcast before about fear. Fear is opportunity, right? If you're scared of something, Nick, right? I'm always going to take the opposite side of your fear. I'm always going to take the opposite side of your fear because your fear is probably never as warranted as it should be, right? I mean, we get too scared about things, which is sometimes a good quality. Hey, I'm really scared of this thing or this thing's really concerning me. So I'm going to be cautious. I'm going to take steps. I'm going to do this. But And I think I gave the example last time I was on the podcast about, you know, when you watch a scary movie and you know, it's a movie. And as soon as you turn the movie off and have to go upstairs, you're like, you're, you know, you're kind of overlapping light switches and you're, you're kind of, you know, there's that little fear and you know, it's stupid. Right. (laughs) And and so I will, I I call it, I'm always looking to sell fear. And, And there was a lot of fear with this coronavirus thing. My bet, my position was, that we're too afraid of this thing. And in the airlines, what I would say is, okay, American Airlines, for example, or United Airlines has tanked, let's say. I took, and I, and I don't normally, I'm not giving any kind of advice to always do this kind of trade. I did this trade because of the opportunity. I said, look, by January of 2021, the price of uh, American Airlines is going to be much higher than it is right now at the time I made the trade after the after it got hit hard, right? And, and my thought process on that, pretty logical. We're going to figure this out a little bit. We're going to deal with this thing a little bit and things will be on the up and up as far as knowing what this virus is, knowing how to combat it and society kind of coming back to a little bit of normalcy and you know, for almost a year to do that, because of the fear in the market, there was massive opportunity. The prices that I was receiving to sell those puts were stupid, right? I mean, it was just, it was crazy. It was, you know, they they were so expensive because of the fear and I was selling them. And and I did that with the casinos. I did it with the airlines. Um, I did it in multiple sectors. I did it with the S&P. I did it with all kinds of stuff, selling puts. And my trades didn't even get to January. They didn't even make it to the expiration. I mean, I I was able to buy all those puts back in, throughout September and October of 2020, basically 100% of, of my max profit. And then just move all that money back to to my savings. And it ended up being three times as much as what I had started with. I mean, it was just when things, when there's a lot of fear in the market, things, uh, you know, puts and things like that become very expensive. And I sell to open and then I look to buy them back once all that fear is dissipated um, and they become quite cheap again because people realize that, hey, I really shouldn't have been as scared, uh, you know, as I was. And you know, 
because of what happened with the uh, so so the movie theaters was one of them. AMC was one of them. I had no position in GameStop or anything like that, but AMC was one of them, and that was one of those stocks that you mentioned there with uh, the crazy internet stuff that was going on. So I have kind of looked a little bit into this um, as far as on the technical side, right? I mean, what happened with uh, GameStop, for instance, was, you know, you, you take a look at, say, the fundamentals of a company like GameStop. I, I'm not a fundamental type trader. I don't usually care about the company. I just trade by the numbers. Like I said, I, I trade off volatility. I don't really care too much about if Nick's ABC company is fundamentally sound or not. Is there a trade there? I, I don't really care, right? GameStop, obviously, things are changing with video games, right? I mean, you can buy them straight off the console. Why do you have to go to GameStop anymore? The brick and mortar stores across every industry are kind of going away, right? When the GameStop thing, uh, or sorry, when the coronavirus thing happened, that kind of hit GameStop even more. All these big hedge funds and all this kind of stuff that had owned GameStop either sold it short or dumped it, right? So when you look at, when you look at a market, any market, you have different levels of the book, right? Different levels of price, all this kind of thing. You have the price where people are willing to buy, the price where people are willing to sell, and you're trying to meet in the middle to get a deal done. Same with any any market, right? It could be donuts, it could be houses, it could be GameStop shares. Well, what happens there is there's nobody selling up above anymore in, in, in GameStop because everybody's already sold everybody's already out of their positions or they're short. They're short from higher levels. So there's no wall up above where people are like, hey, you can buy, you can buy, but we're stopping you right here. There's none of that. These guys or, or one guy or a small group of guys must have looked at the book and saw, hey, there's no ceiling here. There's, there's no wall to stop us from running this thing. And they just started buying it and buying it and buying it. Obviously, we've heard the stories. There was big hedge funds that were trapped short. They're trapped at the bottom like a rat, right? And they, they can't get out. They're struggling. Um, why they kept that short position on a stock that had been hammered so you know, ruthlessly, I don't know. You'd have to ask them. But either way, they were trapped short. And there's no higher levels of resistance up above so the thing went from whatever it did to ridiculous levels um and that's why that was able to happen now is there opportunity there sure people made a lot of money there right is that a good trade no right so if you were able to make a, a little bit of money there hey, take, take your money and, and get out, right? I mean, those people when GameStop was at, say, whatever it was, 400 or whatever, right? Like, if you're thinking it's going to go to 800, come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're a bit silly there. Um, take the money that you made and run. I actually was selling puts on uh, AMC. I was assigned some shares in AMC. Nothing huge, not a huge position or anything. And when it went up to like 20 or 19 or whatever, you know, I just sold those shares. I mean, I, it went from like whatever it was, two, three dollars up to 
whatever the the 20 level i'm out of there right um but again that's a that you're not going to make a living trading that way trading the gamestop kind of trade but when there's opportunity there if you can jump in and get out it's very similar to bitcoin there's really nothing in bitcoin to make it a good investment and you know people listening to me right now are probably thinking no man that's going to be the future of how we buy and sell and all this you don't know that any more than I know that, right? But Bitcoin goes up. <laughs> it goes up and people make a lot of money on Bitcoin. It was, you know, down at, at 3,000. It went on that run. When was that? 2017 or whatever it was? When it 18, went up first? Yeah, first time when it really went and everybody was talking about yeah. it, right? Yeah, because right. I got in in 19 and like the day I bought it was the day it like just hanged. But now I'm up. <laughs> so, yeah. right. Right. So I remember back then, you know, people saying, oh, Mark, is this a good trade? No, right? But if you want to throw some spare pennies at that to, to, to participate in the fun, go for it. You know, you, you can make money and it be a, a bad trade. You know, you can lose money and it be a good trade. So um, the Bitcoin thing, there's nothing really tangible on it as far as that would make it a good investment or a good trade, but when it runs, it runs. I mean, it recently went from whatever it was, the three, you know, remember after the first time it crashed down to like 3,000 or whatever, yeah. and then and it went up to their 52 or whatever it was. So you can definitely make money on it, but if I can't say, and say you got in, say you came to me and said, Mark, you know what, you're full of it. I got in at 3,000 and I sold at 52,000. 52, oh, Nick, you made some money. I said, tell you what, what made you get in at 3,000 and what made you get out at 52? Why not, why not, you know, 102,000? Why aren't you hanging on? You wouldn't really be able to explain to me why. You don't really have an actual mathematical logic on why you did that, but you made a ton of money, right? And that's fair, that's fine, but I, I prefer to just go by the probability. I mean, those, the... The trades I were make, I was making uh, in my, I call it my coronavirus account, and and you know, I'm not. I, I want to say I'm I'm not making light of the coronavirus. I know we all know people who have really struggled with that, either financially or with their health or with their lives. I'm not making light of that at all. But that's just what I called that account was the coronavirus account, um, because. That's why I opened that account, moved all that money because of what happened to the market due to the coronavirus. So I'm not being insensitive there. It's just what I called it. Um, How dare you? <laughs> I know. Oh, but you know what? You have to put that disclaimer out there. I, I don't, please don't send me your emails. I understand, right? I'm insensitive. I understand. I'm okay with that for now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, uh, you know, th that was that was the, the point there was, I was getting my, my trades, the way that options pricing goes, again, fear prices options, right? Uh, volatility is where we get the price of options. The prices were all jacked up. I mean, I was getting so much money for, for trades that were a year out, um, you know, to sell these puts. And the probability of making that money was, you know, over 85% in my favor. So it was, I was, I was just selling as many contracts as I could because it was like, this is shooting fish in a barrel, you know? 
And the other thing was, because of that, the risk wasn't very high. So let's say United Airlines did go completely bust and died. I really wasn't going to lose that much. So, you know, it was it was a no-brainer. And the only way I was able to do that was because I just... I, the difference between say me being able to do it and you not being able to do it is I know a couple of things about that. It's not hard. It's not difficult. You don't need, you know, some degree in finance. I mean, if you had a degree in finance, you wouldn't even that you wouldn't even know about it. Right. Um, it's very, very simple. And I'm sure you have these kind of little tricks in the housing market as well. When you see a certain thing, it's just a ball on a tee for you and you just, had to, you, you, you do it with your eyes closed because it's a no-brainer, right? Um, same back in 2008, people remember 2008 when the market crashed and all that. I mean, if you get nothing more out of this and you're like, you know what, even though Mark's saying it's easy, it still sounds very technical to me, then just take out of it. When the market tanks, take whatever pennies you have. I don't care if you have to turn your couch upside down put money in the market and you'll make money. Right. And, and Hey, Mark, you're talking about selling puts and doing these different spreads and all this kind of stuff. Okay. Then just buy the shares, right. Then just buy the shares, buy the stock and, and go from there. You don't have to get complicated. You don't have to learn uh, what I do. Uh, if you are interested in learning what I'm doing, as always, I'll tell you, you know, send, send me emails on that. Don't send me emails. on the Coronavirus account. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to share because, you know, like I said before, this is stuff we should be teaching to kids in school, especially kids in high school. Um, and and it's it's something you can do for the rest of your days. You know what I mean? You, you can take advantage of this anytime as opposed to just sitting there and watching your 401k getting hammered because a pandemic happens or, you know, some kind of bubble bursts or, or something like that, you know? If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, 2020 is coming to an end. Let's start 2021 off on a good note by getting you into some real estate, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced. Any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Yeah, man, there's, there's so many great things you brought up there. One of them being, I, I appreciate the way that your brain works because I always try and, and you know, the same way you teach and talk to me with jujitsu, I see it's the same way that you're doing it with your stocks. And one of the things that sticks out specifically is I remember we were rolling a couple of times and you were kind of just letting me try stuff and do stuff and, and seeing what, what was going to come up. And after I, I, I went through a few things, you stopped me and were like, wait, why did you do that? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I was, I was just kind of panicking. I felt like I needed to move. And you're like, well, you, you left a, a, a safe position for a not safe position. And then you open yourself up for like, you should think about why you're moving and why don't you start making moves to make moves. And I was like, huh, you know, and I, and I always think about that. And I think that that's 
what a lot of people do with things like stocks and and, and Bitcoin, exactly like you said. And uh, another one of my mentors always says, it's more important to be able to call the bottom than to call the top. And you nailed it with Bitcoin because I literally go, you know, I got it under 20, now it's under 50. Do I sell? I mean, it could go to 100, but I don't even know why I bought it in the first place. So I really, it's it's literally, I'm just, just rolling the dice and stuff. So um, is that something that you, like, how did you learn to come up with that way of decision-making and logistical thinking? Did that come from jujitsu or did you take that and bring it into jujitsu? And that's why you excelled at it. Um, it might be a little bit of both. I mean, hey, and first of all, you don't want to know what I think and why. You don't want to be inside this head, right? <laughs> um, but it's a little bit of both. I mean, before jujitsu, because of jujitsu, I'm a very logical person, right? Um, and, and very dry when it comes to my thinking. I try and take as much emotion out of my thought process in anything, whether it's what, you know, how I deal with my family, how I deal with other people, business, work, jujitsu, anything. I try and take the emotion out of it. And it's literally, you and I have talked about this on the mat. It's basically just a very dry, boring decision tree, right? <laughs> and you know, my thought process on a lot of things, and, and I'll, I'll equate it to, to jujitsu, um, just because it's easier and probably nicer. I mean, I'll tell you this right now, if you think like this, dealing with people can be difficult, because people don't think like this. People are very emotional type creatures. Um, and that goes down to personal relationships and interactions with people, it goes into business with people. Um, people are very emotional as far as how they think. And that drives me crazy. You know, those people probably think the way I think is heartless and crazy. But to me, it's just it's sticking to the logic where like in jujitsu, for instance, if I know, let's say I'm sitting and, and if you're not a jujitsu person, you might lose us here. But if I'm sitting on my backside in some kind of seated guard or butterfly guard, and I know I have inside position on the guy who's passing on me and I'm pretty squared up with that guy. I know that it's going to be very difficult for that guy to pass my guard at that point. So if he throws whatever at me, it's, it, I don't have to become defensive there. I'm in a good solid foundational position that I can work from. And I don't really care at that point. If you come at me while I'm in this sound position, you're not really going to bother me too much. Now you start getting outside of me, you start getting, you know, past my legs a little bit, you start creating angles on me. Now what most people do, this is where people go wrong, especially in jujitsu and in life. What they do is they try and defend now from that bad position. They were in a good position. The opponent, the situation in life, whatever it may be, gets them out of that good position a little bit. And instead of them saying, hey, you know what? I'm kind of out of position here. Before I do anything, I need to go back to that sound, fundamental, solid working position. They don't do that. What they do is they go, crap, I'm not where I want to be. I'm going to fight out of this from here. And, and that makes zero sense, right? Because Let's say it's a financial position. Let's say it's it's kind of like financial position. A good example of it is the guy who uh, has bad credit, has a bunch of debt, um, doesn't have any savings, and is kind of struggling a little bit. 
And their first thought is, you know what I need? I need to save some money. I need to start saving money. And you're like, well, saving money is a great thing. And we all need to save money. But if you got rid of your debt and had zero money in savings, you're way on your way to wizardry as opposed to saving 10 grand and having 40 grand in debt, right? And so it's just, you're doing something that's not necessarily bad. You're just doing something that's, it's not the right time. It's not the right situation to be doing what you're doing. What you're doing is not bad. It's just, you're doing it right now from this situation and that's not gonna help you at all. That comes up a lot in life, comes up a lot in jujitsu, obviously. And, and I think that, you know, on the life side, whether it's financial or, or not, we get into trouble and then we can turn around and say, man, I'm fighting so hard and I'm trying so hard and I just keep feeling like I'm spinning my wheels here, right? Could be business, it could be anything, but that's where people get frustrated. And that's tough because if you're really working your guts out there, right? And you say, man, I have 20 grand in the bank. I saved all that money, but I'm still really struggling. Where's your motivation now? Now, now you feel like I've, I've tried my guts out and I'm still getting kicked in, in the face. You know, it, it's very difficult then to build and to keep going and, and, and to push through hardship when you're doing the right thing at the wrong time. I think that that also comes back to having somebody who has the experience of knowing from a completely neutral position, a third party to come in and look at that situation and say like, hey, I've been through this. You think that throwing that money into a savings account is smart, but, but look at this logistically, not emotionally. And, and I'll, I'll 100% say that any decisions that I've made that have not been great for me financially on the real estate side, every single time. Deep down, I knew it was a bad decision and I was emotional about it because you want things to work just like on the mat. Anytime I force stuff, which I know I've seen, you've seen me do a thousand times and you go for it, you go for it, you go for it and then you blow all your energy and then you get tapped out or you wind up on the bottom anyway. And it was like, you knew that wasn't going to work, but you kept pushing it and pushing it. And I think when you can take that and you can learn to logistically take a step back, like exactly what you said at one of our privates, you were like, you don't have to stay in the middle of that and keep trying to hop over the knee. You can back out, reset, and start all over again. And I think it's the same thing with business and with life in general, like you said, is, is taking a, a step back and going, okay, like I'm hitting my head into the wall over and over again. Like, why am I not going through it? Bring right. somebody else in, ask somebody like, hey, what do you see that I don't see here? And like, and then talk me through it. And I think that's when it comes to just losing the ego or losing the stubbornness about, I had an expectation that it was supposed to go like this or look like this, and it doesn't now. So I need to have... The wherewithal, and, I, and I, I go back and forth with, especially students I have on the real estate side. When I see them making emotional decisions, I address it and I go, "Look, I get it. Like I'm not picking on you. I've done it. Everybody does it at some point on some level. But now that you know, if you choose to not listen to that and continue to make those decisions, you know, I don't keep asking me for the same questions. You know, and and I don't know what it is, but I find most people will stop calling. I'm like, oh, I know that's good advice. I know it's good for me, but I'm comfortable beating my head into this wall because I've been doing it for 15 years and so have my parents. And I just think it's so different. And I see it a lot less in guys like you who have come over from another country or have parents that are like first generation over. They tend to not have that. And they tend to just kick those walls down and go towards stuff. And I think that entrepreneurial spirit and that ability to, to curb that fear and to push forward and to learn and adapt and pivot is the difference between the guys that sink and the guys that swim. Yeah, I mean, I, so going back to your GameStop thing, obviously I had a lot of people contacting me 
Hey, how can I get involved? What should I do? Should I, should I, you know, get in? Should I do this? And obviously once the move is made, it's been made. Is there some money to be made there still? Probably. I don't know. Right. I mean, anytime you buy a stock and this is typically why I don't buy stocks is anytime you buy a stock, it's a 50, 50 shot. It's either going to go up or go down from the point that you buy it. I don't like 50-50. If I can go out and get an 85% probability or a 90% probability or a 70% probability, I'm going to do that over a 50-50 shot anytime. And don't call me and tell me, yeah, but this, this company is guaranteed to do this and this company is going to be the leader of the new electric whatever and the new you know, green whatever. I don't care. I, I, I literally don't care. The probability of buying that stock is 50-50. And I don't care if it's going to sell a cure to cancer. The probability is 50-50. I don't want that trade, right? I don't want a 50-50 when I can go out and get an 80-20 in my favor. And like I said, it could be the cure for cancer. Not interested because it's it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit that dry standard that I have, right? And, and when people... You know, you know, you've seen it in real estate. Some people just need to fall on their face. They, you could give them the best advice. You can articulate it to them. You can show them on paper. You can give them real your real life examples. They, some people just need to get punched in the face before they realize, oh yeah, I made a mistake there, and that's fine. You know, when people came to me and said, "What should I do about GameStop?" I said, "Nothing. The trades, it's over. The move's done." Right. They don't like that. They don't want to hear that. We want, they want me to tell them, yeah, do it, or here's how to do it or whatever. There's nothing there. If a trade's there, I'll tell you. If you if I've had people who I've helped trade and they, hey, what do you think of this trade? I, I look at this trade coming up here for uh, June or whatever. I go, oh, that's a good trade. I'll do it with you. Let's go. Right. If it's a bad trade, I'll tell you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it with your money. Right. If at that point you're just gonna go do it anyway that's fine. My, what kind of not hurts me, but what bothers me about that is, you know, if you do get punched in the face, you may never fight again. Right. So, so in that real estate example, Hey, you've told them, you've showed them, you've explained it to them. They could be one of those people that just needs that punch in the face, but then they could get out of the game altogether. And, and they justify that to themselves for giving up by saying, ah, it's just not for me. I, I couldn't really do it. It didn't really work for me. When we know that the problem was them and their emotion, but that's someone now that's left the game where all they had to do is learn a lesson. They just needed a little lesson there, whether they took it from you or they took the punch in the face because they didn't want to listen from you. It's just sad to see somebody leave the game. But then at the same point, whether it's business, life in general, it's kind of not for the weak, right? It's kind of, it's the people that succeed, succeed for a reason. And, you know, for every one person that succeeds, there's X times multiple that are going to fail. And they're the reason they fail, you know? Exactly. And I think back to what you were saying, when you learn why you're doing something and why you shouldn't do something, that's going to, every time you go and you ask those questions of like, why should I do this? Why should I not do this? And you take the time to learn. I feel like that's where, like you're saying, that 50-50 continually gets cut and puts more on your side. Where people, they just want to take the easy way. And I think that's why things like real estate and things like day trading, they have that long history of people saying, that doesn't work, that doesn't work, that doesn't work. And it gives it a bad name because they just quit. You know, and at the end of the day, even, even the crash, like look at the real estate crash. 
to people that went, oh my God, I, I bought these houses and then the market tanked, real estate doesn't work. And then they sold it when it was on the bottom or slightly coming up. If they would have held it up pretty much across the board, right now they would be up, but they quit. You know, And now they're, oh, I could have, should have, would have. So I do think going back to like that accountability and learning why you do things, if you're just going to go, well, I, I don't want to see, I don't really want to know. I just want to make money. So I'm just going to go throw at this because that's what I heard was good. Right. You might as well go to Vegas. I tell people this all the time. You know, don't buy that house. Go to Vegas and throw half your retirement account on red or black because you're right. literally doing the same thing. The odds are just as good. So why would you want to gamble like that? But it, it's 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 just a very strange thing. I, I don't really know why. But um, another question I have for you is you mentioned about the there was no ceiling on the GameStop stuff. Is that typical with with most things or is that specific to each trade? And was there somebody that just didn't do their job that should have caught that earlier and probably did? And that's why it wound up being a bigger hole than it was for the hedge funds. Yeah, I mean, so we see it a lot on the other side. We see it on the crash side often, right? Where, you know, you, you have these price levels, right? Um, wherever the market is trading, whatever the market price is, we have a book of where people want to buy and sell above that price. And we have a whole book of people that want to buy and sell below that price. That's what creates a market, obviously. Um, we see it on the crash side. When the market crashes, typically there's no support below. There's nobody looking to buy at those really low levels. So it just keeps falling because there's nothing down at the bottom that's going to okay, here, we're done. We're done now. There's enough down here where this is where we're going to stop, right? Um, there's a really cool documentary called, oh my goodness, what is it called? I think it's called Splash, maybe. And it's about the, the crash of 87. And it talks about the guy who actually stepped in and basically was responsible for creating the the, the support, the, the bottom level of, of the, the market. And, and then when people saw there was buying down there, then they're like, oh, wow, okay, well, there's a lot of buying down there. I'm going to buy also. And it, and it helped the market. It's, I'll, I'll get the name of the thing and you can put it in the description or something. Cause it's, yeah. it's I'll, I'll, I'll pause it a second and just edit it out. If you want to look it up. No, let's keep going. All right. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I'll put it in. I'll, I'll, I'll get the name of it to you somehow and you can deal with it. Um, I think it's called splash. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, so we see it on that side, the market's tanking. There's no support below. All of a sudden, we find a level of support and that's where the market stabilizes and you can build from there. I mean, it doesn't mean that it's not going to drop from there and continue to fall, but you need that support, right? In this case, it's a very unique thing to what happened with the pandemic, right? Much like the housing market crash was a unique thing with what was going on with the subprime mortgages and all this, right? It was very situational that everyone, for instance, must have thought in the case of GameStop, AMC, you know, movie theaters, for example, right? Pandemic, lockdowns, people aren't going to go see movies. And even if stuff starts to open up, movie theaters are not going to be the first things to start opening up. So people are selling AMC. Uh, you know, people are shorting AMC because they're like, hey, I'll make money on the way down, right? There's nobody buying at those 
higher levels than where the price is. So there, there's, and, and there's nobody selling at any higher levels. So it's basically wide open as you look up from where the price is. When people saw that and were able to take advantage of that, there was nothing to stop it. There was, you know, AMC, was it worth the, the money that it was, you know, technically worth? I mean, it really was worth that. But is the company worth that based on the product? No, right? It's just there was no true market condition to play that out. Markets tend to be very efficient. The price of a banana when you go to the grocery store is a very efficient price based on everything that happens from that banana growing to being picked, to being shipped, to being uh, put on that shelf, to you standing in front of it, right? The efficiency of everything that goes into you standing there saying, hmm, should I buy that one banana for 19 cents? By the time you're standing there trying to make that decision, it's pretty efficient. And the market in any stock and in any house or any anything is usually pretty good. When these weird situations pop up, it can really throw things off, right? It can, I mean, we've seen it, you, you see it all the time on, on houses where you're like, hey, this house is really cheap compared to everything in the area. If I buy this house, and put X amount into it, I'm going to get the market price for it, right? I mean, those kind of things, those flip, that's why flipping works. Those, those houses should not, in a, in a perfect situation, should not be the price that you can get it for. But it's that price for a specific reason. And, and once you find those, you can take advantage of it and sell it for market price. Or, you know, depending, you could take lower than market price, right? You can hold on for higher than market price. But the market does become efficient if, you know, usually when these situations go awry, there is opportunity there. And I think if you if you are looking for that and you can recognize that, you know, you can make a year's worth of money or three years worth of money in a very short period of time. You know, I mean, I I'm constantly willing to limit my profitability. Right. I mean, let's say you let's say you and I here's a real life scenario. Let's say Tesla, right? Tesla stock. You and I both like Tesla as a company. You and I both think the company is going to do big things and we want to go long Tesla. We want to get in on Tesla on the buy side. You say, Mark, I'm just going to buy shares. Tesla is definitely going to go up. I think that. I'm going to buy shares. You're, you're, the limit on your profitability is there is no limit. Tesla could, <laughs> pardon the pun, but Tesla could go to the moon. Tesla could go to Mars. Could go to Mars, right? I mean, you, we could be sitting here and Tesla could go to infinity on the upside and you make a fortune, right? But again, when you buy the stock, the probability of that happening is 50 50. The, pros- the probability of you making a dollar. It's 50-50. I'll look at it and I'll say, you know what? I think Tesla will, let's say Tesla is trading for, just to make the numbers even, $500 a share. I'll say, you know what? Tesla, and right now we're in March as we record this, Tesla will be above $450 by April. And I'll limit my profitability on that 
And let's say that trade gets me 75% probability in my favor. I'll make that trade every month on the month over and over and over and over and over. And if, if Tesla does go to the moon by next month, we both make money. I make a lot less money than you did, but I made a good trade. You gambled, right? So you have to, and when I, when people talk to me and they say, but yeah, but you, you make money in the market and, and that's what you do. You limit your profitability to take a higher probability. And I say, yeah. And they go, well, I don't want to do that. What should I buy that's going to go right up right away by next week so I can make a ton of money? I said, look, I don't do that. I do this. And then it's it's that constant spinning in the head of, yeah, but I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to make a bunch of money right now. What should I buy? What do you think of this stock? What do you think of that stock? I hear that they're going to be whatever. They're going to make the best cannabis drink ever, or they're going to go to the moon, or they're going to have some new drug to whatever. I say, look, I never look at any of that. I never care about any of what the, I don't care if the company is selling tiddlywinks and I don't care if they can sell a billion of them. I don't care. I go straight by the probability. And if I go, if I do that multiple times every single month over and over and over, it's not really sexy. I'm not going to make a fortune on any one trade, but I'm going to have probability on my side. Probabilities do play out why the probabilities there are outliers of course but over time i guarantee you i'll make more money than you do or be more successful than, than you are right because you're going to have that one trade that you were sure is going to be the rival to tesla and is going to put you know on, on mars oh this company is going to go to saturn whatever right you're going to believe this and you're going to put a bunch of money there and it's either you're, it's going to tank or it's going to go nowhere and here I am ticking along, repeating the same probabilities over and over and over. And at the end of the year, I'm the one that buys the Tesla. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, the walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632- 0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. The foundations, man, the foundations and the, the daily habits are really what make all the difference. It, there was a, a guy that I'm in a, a group with. Uh, he has to be unnamed until recently, but he um, he was working for a pretty good financial planner. And he literally went over what you just said. He got in front of a whole room. And he talked about how everybody always wants, you know, how do I make 11%, 12%, 14%? And they chase these funds or these ways to get these higher returns. And then they go, oh, look, everybody, like last year and the year before, I made 17%, 14%, 13%. He goes, but if you took that over 20 years and you looked at what they actually made versus somebody who just went with like a very mid-tier 
something that they were making like seven, seven and a half percent. That wasn't like a sexy number. It wasn't any, it was just base hits every year that you knew you were going to come in right around there solid. And you looked at what that person made over the 20 years versus the person that wanted all the highs and lows and the ups and downs. It wasn't even close. The person who went with just the base hits and the, the median returns every year after 20 years was financially free. And the other person was still kind of in and out depending on what was happening. And uh, it's just, you know, the, everybody wants the knockout. Everybody wants the grand slam. And that's, that's, that's not what wins games. That's not what most fights are made of, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just kind of luck, right? That's, you know, and whether it's Bitcoin or whatever, like I said, these people that make a lot of money on Bitcoin or who have made some money in Bitcoin, you say, well, why did you get into that price? They don't know. They just threw something at it and it happened to work out for them. You know, to me, that's, that's a sucker's game. Yeah. But I made money or I was able to pay off my house or I was able to buy a house. Yeah. But do it again, do it, do it it next month, do it tomorrow. Right. You know, it, you could pick any stock and I'll find you a good trade in it. Right. I'll, I'll find a good trade for you and some on, I'll open up the options chain. I'll find you the problem. If you said to me, Mark, could you get me a trade that is 80% in my probability and Apple? Yes. Okay. Could you do that every month for me, Mark? Yes, I could. Right. And I, and I could, I could do it every single month for you over and over and over. Now, You'll make a, for that exact trade with that probability, you'll make a different amount of money each month. But if you told me for a year, each month, could you get me 12, 80% probability in my favor trades in XYZ stock? The answer is yes. Right. If you ask me, can you pick a stock for me? That's going to, that's going to triple my account. No, of course not. Right. No, I can't. Because if we're just going to buy a stock, your probability is 50%. And let's say it goes up $2. Let's say it goes up $100. I don't know, right? But I know if you're doing those trades in Apple, I can tell you what you're going to make. I can tell you your probability of making it. And we just repeat that over and over and over. Like I said, on, on one IRA, I was trading my own retirement account, tripled it in a year, less than a year from basically March until October tripled it right i mean and and could i do that again yes maybe i wouldn't triple it because of the prices of the options i was selling like i said that was very market specific to the coronavirus but then let's say could i double it yes right you're able if you're able to build from a solid foundation and repeat what you're doing it's kind of the same thing how many housing deals have you done that have been pretty much the exactly the same structure yeah i mean you find your niches and you work with what you know and and you can just repeat it every month and then what happens is you start looking for that like hey this is working let me go find three more of these let me go find five more of these then next thing you know you're like wow you know four of the five worked perfectly the other one okay i i broke even or maybe i lost a little bit or i made a little bit but who cares? The other four killed it. And then I'm going to do it all over again. And, and then over time, you start looking at that. And you're like, you know what? It, th- this is working. Now, have I lost a bunch of money in, in the markets? Yes. I've lost a ton of money in the markets because I tried all those stupid things. 
And, you know, what's hot right now? What's this? You know, I saw something. If you're watching financial news or you're in different Reddit groups or Facebook investment groups for trading, let's say, and you're trying to uh, uh, see what's going on in there and, and piggybacking off of that, you're way too late. Chances are people in those groups aren't really doing anything anyway. They're not being successful anyway. And especially on the financial news side, they're way, way behind on the, you know, markets move, right? By the time you get involved, you're done. And I'm not saying you have to be early and you have to be able to identify these things. But if you're chasing everybody's tail and chasing everything's tail, then that's what you're going to be doing. Who wants to chase the tail? I mean, very few people that chase anything's tail are actually going to catch it, right? You know, so if that's your game plan, again, you might be successful, but probability says you won't be. So why are you even playing that game? Yeah, man, I, I, I a thousand percent believe everything you're saying right there. And that part of it, when you say to somebody, you know, like what I think would be attractive is, is when people see this and I, I, I make the title, you know, hey, I had, had a double triple your retirement in the year. I think that that's exactly what they're going to think is like, I make a trade and that trade, no, like it was those daily things. And I, you know, I think like you're saying, you, you find your niche, you find the stuff that sticks, but for you, I've always said like black belts, man, like what's a black belt? The black belt is not necessarily somebody that can kick everybody's ass. It's somebody that has gotten their ass kicked so many times to know to tell you, look, I tried this, this isn't going to work. That's not going to work. Like learning from those mistakes and cutting that learning curve financially, physically, all those things. I just think are the most valuable aspects in life. You know, yes. I, I'm always trying to surround myself with somebody who is a black belt because being somebody who's made those mistakes, thankfully I recovered from any of the mistakes that I've made. But like you said, there's people out there that they can't. So why would you go risk that? And like you said, gamble it away when there's people out there that you can learn from that have done that, that can help you. So um, on a technical advice side of it, if somebody's listening, like, okay, I have let's say five, 10, 15, 20 grand, whatever it is, they have some money in their retirement right now and they want to know a few tactical things that they could do. What, what's some things that they can look for and what's like a time frame? Like, are you looking at these stocks every day, every week, every hour? Like I've heard all across the board. No, so I, uh, so I'll, I'll tell you a scenario that happened. First of all, I don't have a program that I sell to people. I don't have classes that I sell to people. I don't have a business in which I teach people how to trade uh, or teach people to do what I do. I will teach people to do what I do, but I don't have like skin in the game as far as like, hey, you need to give me X amount of money to buy my course or anything like that. I don't have that. I'll teach you just because I think that you should, someone should have taught you. And if no one has to this point, you know, I'm one of those people where if I have a good thing, I want to give it to as many people as possible, especially something as easy as making money in the market, right? The reason people don't make money is because they just don't know how. Um, I had a guy, a friend of mine, no experience in trading, no experience in investing. He said, hey, typical questions. What should I buy? What should I do? Should I get this fund? Should I get that fund? I started talking to him a little bit because he's a friend of mine and said, look, take $3,000 and just go with me on this. I said, I'll, I'll show you what I do. Just take three. Cause that's the minimum you need to, to open an options account. So I said, look, just take whatever you want to do with the rest of the money you have, do what you want, but take $3,000 
and I'm going to send you some material that I've written up for what I do. And I'm going to coach you one-on-one. I'm going to teach you how to do what I do. And we're going to be start off doing spreads. All of your risk is going to be defined. So you know what you're going to make and you know what you're possibly going to lose on every trade. And I said, we're going to do dollar wide spreads, which means we have a hundred dollars to start with that you could possibly lose. And then you're going to have a max profit. Let's say the max profit is, let's just say it's $30. So then in that case, the maximum you can make is $30. The maximum you can lose is $70, right? To make up that hundred dollars, which is the $1 wide spread. And every trade that you're successful on, you're only going to keep half of your maximum profit. So you're going to make 15 bucks a trade for every successful trade. Your maximum profit is 30. We're going to get out once you reach 50% of your max profit. And we're just going to do this. We're going to make umpteen trades a month. You're going to take them off at 50% of your max profit. And you're only going to be risking a dollar minus whatever credit you receive for the spread. Right. And it's, this is very boring. This is very boring. You, Hey, look, I made a good trade. Yeah. You only made $15. Right. I mean, this is, you could do this with a child, right? It's not sexy at all. But then what happens is this emotion comes in. Hey, look, this is pretty easy. I'm doing pretty well here. Instead of doing one contract and I'm making $15. What if I did 10 contracts? What if I did 50 contracts? What if I put more money in this account instead of the, the 3000, right? Because you're successful. You're like, I can do this. I can do this over and over and over. Nope. We're sticking to this. This is what we're going to do. Blah, 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 blah. We add maybe a different spread. We add maybe a different strategy. We, you know, we're, we're doing all this kind of stuff. This guy specifically was like, Hey, I'm just going to do what you tell me. Very robotic. I'm just going to do what you tell me. I get it. I get it. I get it. When this coronavirus thing came, he he made a lot of money because he was ready. He had known what he was doing. He was kind of going through the Jedi training. He wasn't pushing it. He didn't blow himself up, right? He didn't he didn't get crazy and say, "Look, last month I, I made 150 bucks. If I 10 times, I, I could make 1500 bucks instead of 150 bucks, right?" He didn't do that. He stuck to the plan because here's the deal: it's just learning. You're just learning how to do that armbar. You're just learning how to, you know, you learn how to do an armbar. That doesn't mean you're going to come and armbar me, right? But you know how to do an armbar. But there's levels to that, right? Just keep training that armbar, keep training that armbar, right? Same thing. When the coronavirus thing cleaned up, you know, he came over at the end of the year and was blown away with what he was able to do, right? I mean, it was incredible. And I, I said, I said, man, you know, I'm not going to mention his name, but I said, that was, that was incredible. Not incredible with the money you made, not incredible with the success you had. Incredible of studying, sticking to the plan and executing and leaving the emotion out of it. So that when the opportunity came where you, you know, where your base hits actually turn into home runs, it's still a base hit, but it looks like a home run now, right? Instead of, getting out in front of your skis, pushing it too hard, doing something that you, sh you know, going off the reservation and, and blowing yourself up. Right now, that's an incredible success story. 
let's say same scenario. Let's say there's another guy who takes the $3,000 and is plodding along and he blows himself up. Hey, I lost $3,000. $3,000. That's, that's nothing for an education, right? You've just learned not to blow yourself up. You've just learned what not to do. And it costs you $3,000. Sign me up for that. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I have that story. I talked about it before my first account, I blew myself up and then I had to save and say, I, I had to, I had no money at the time. Right. I was young. I had no money at the time. I had to scrape and scrape. It was so hard for me to get $3,000 to open this account. And I blew it. I lost it all. I think I, I remember I had $9 and something left, $9 and some change. I, I don't remember exactly like The Rock, like The Rock knew exactly how much money he had in his pocket kind of thing. I don't know the exact number, but I know it was $9 and change left. And uh, and I was like, geez, all right, this stinks, right? I had to scrimp and save and I was doing well. I was studying my guts out and, you know, I, I blew it, right? I, I lost all the money. I blew myself up. Then. I had to save again to, to get another $3,000 to open the account. And then that account, I doubled, right? So, and, and it's no big deal. It's turning $3,000 into $6,000, but the big deal is I had learned. And, it, and for $3,000, what I learned, is still the same lessons that I use today that makes me money. So, you know, if someone came to me with $20,000 and said, Mark, what should I do with it? I'd say, take three of it here's what we're going to do. You're going to learn, right? You're going to learn. You're going to repeat. You're going to be making peanuts. And that's not what it's about because if it takes you a year to master this or two years to master this, then what we do, once you really know what you're doing and you've seen situations and you've jumped in and all this kind of stuff, and you've, you've seen the trade go bad and you've learned how to adjust that. And you've all this kind of stuff, you've seen multiple scenarios Okay, well, now we take your $20,000 and we do multiple contracts and, and it scales. It's just like any other business. It, it scales at that point, right? Same with you. You're not, you know, you have an incredible portfolio of real estate. You started with one house. You didn't go, the guy who taught me is doing 10 houses at a time. So I'm going to do 10 houses at a time and because I want to make what he's making, right? And you've probably seen people do that. Like, hey, I have all this money. Nick, show me what to do. And you show them and they go, you tell them to do it with one house, which is a tiny fraction of the money they have. And they're like, well, no, why won't I do this 10 times? I'm going to do this 10 times. And you're like, man, you're not ready for 10 times, right? You don't even know how to put the kettle on and, and take your shoes off yet. And, and just because you have a certain number in your account or a certain bankroll to play with, that doesn't mean you're going to make X multiple on that. So my advice on people is, you know, really learn what you're doing. Take the, the minimum amount that it takes to get involved and just play with it. You're playing with that amount, going by the numbers, hoping to see all these scenarios so that you can react to them. Oh, you know what? That trade went against me. When I go back and I analyze that, you know what? I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I did, you know, I, I should have done this. So, okay. I lost 70 bucks there. Okay. Next month. Oh, look, it's starting to go against me that same way. Now I know how to adjust or, you know, I'm, I'm rolling down the untested, whatever there's, you know, as long as you, and people say, yeah, but Mark, look, 
don't you think that would come back? I, I think it's going to come back. I think it's going to go come back. I don't care what you think. When this happens and goes against you, you roll down the untested side. Yeah, I know, but what if it whipsaws against you? It doesn't matter. Probability says you roll down the untested side on a, on a on a spread, but all this kind of stuff, you just do it because over time, that's what it takes to be successful. It took me a while to learn that. It, I think it takes everybody a while to learn that, especially when you start having small successes because then you really think you figured it out, right? <laughs> you know, you, you think like, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing now. The, the, the second you think on anything in life, oh yeah, I figured this out. That's a warning sign for you. It should be, right? Because again, most of the time when you think, how many people in different industries say, I thought I had it all figured out, then this happened and I was screwed for a little while and had to come back and whatever their story is, right? And this guy was fantastic. He literally just did everything I asked, you know, and he's actually come to me and said, Hey, what about this trade? And he's he's a good example of that where I said, Hey, you know what? I like that. I'm gonna do it with you, right? I'll I'll put it on with you. And and people always talk to me right now about um paper trading, right? Where you trade with kind of fake money, you know, and I don't like paper trading. It's not real. You you'll you'll do the right thing on trades that are working out for you, and the trades that don't work out for you, you don't care. You're like, ah, it's not real. Right. It's kind of like jujitsu. You know, you're not going to fake spar with somebody. It's just weird. Right. You jump in there and you jump into the lion's den and you, you hit the water with the sharks and you're going to take some lumps a little bit here. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, um, I'm a big believer in, hey, if you're going to do this, you put three thousand, you take the minimum it takes to open an account and get margin to open an, an options account. And you jump right in. And if you lose that $3,000, that's your education. Um, because you're going to take it seriously. You're going to work hard. And you're going to dot your I's and cross your T's. I love that, man. And uh, again, that that point of entry for $3,000 and learning the mistakes from there, you know, it's that, that's why you start small. And I had that conversation. I can't even tell you how many times. I don't want to do one house. I want to do 50. I don't want to do this. I want to, I want to buy a skyscraper. And I'm like, <laughs> but when that goes wrong, like you just messed up times 10 times 50 times, like where do you come back from, from that? You know, it's, and then you never want to do it again. So I think all those things are very important life lessons. So um, this is awesome, man. I, I'm interested in all this stuff. I do want to start working with you and learning how to do this. And I think it'd be interesting. We could like revisit the podcast and I could say like, I, I, I put the $3,000 in, I did this thing. Here's where we are. So um. Yeah, I definitely like to talk offline about how to get started with that for sure. But, um, you know, in closing, I know uh, I got you on. I'm taking up a lot of your Sunday here. But how do people how do people find you? Talk a little bit about um, definitely BJJ Lab Naperville, uh, which is people don't know. Like, I think Naperville was voted like one of the top five or 10 best places in the country to live. Like you're in a great place. You have your gym is growing every day. You have killers on that mat. You have great people there. Like it's a great atmosphere. It's a fantastic gym. Great talent, great instructors. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say this about the because we obviously, I mean, you and I have talked, but you know, since the the last time I was on, it was like way before. It was two summers ago, I think, right? No, that, it wasn't that long ago. When you no. yeah, it was before the coronavirus, though, wasn't it? I think it. No, I think it was during it. I was think it, it was not the beginning but, of. It, but. You, we can scroll back and see. But, <laughs> But I, I want to say this about, about my academy and about the people we have there and all this is that 
obviously the coronavirus hit us pretty hard. We closed down in March when uh, when everyone closed everything down, obviously. Um, and our members never left us, right? They uh, continued to pay their dues, even though we were um, closed and they couldn't come to classes. And that made us want to start like the online training, um, the online training academy that we have, BJJ Lab TV. It was just a simple way of, of giving them something so they could be at home with their dummies. I know you've kind of looked at a lot of this stuff and, and, and they could train a little bit at home and we could all still kind of be together virtually and all this, but everyone continued to support us. Um, and it was incredible because, you know, I've seen, and you've probably seen many academies have died because of this coronavirus, right? Yep. People and, and people who have much higher pedigrees than me um, have had to close shop because of this. And the reason that we've been open and the reason that we've been able to, you know, pay all our extra instructors, um, we had a bunch of people due to coronavirus that were members of ours lost their jobs and we were able to support them uh, and help them out a little bit when they had a time of need just because people continued to support us. And, you know, Brad and I were blown away uh, by that support. I mean, I still, I, I can't believe it. It's a, it's a story for the ages that people continue to, you know, you think about, okay, we have a good product. We know that, right? We have great instructors. We have a, a fantastic facility. At the end of the day, when you spit it out, it's a great product and people support that. But then when that stops, it would have been very easy for people to say, look, I love it there, but we can't go there right now. That's coming out of my pay. You know, that's coming out of my, my bank account every month. You know, I'm going to stop for now and I'll come back and, and, start up again and it was crazy how many people did not do that and just continue to support us and that inspired us to put more into the academy right uh we weren't taking paychecks we were using that money like i said to support people that had lost their jobs to obviously keep the academy open we never missed a rent uh you know we never we never missed any of our bills because of that thank god and it inspired us to say, look, we have a group of people that really believes in what we are doing. What more can we do for those people, right? And, and we've done some free seminars for everybody since then. We've we've created new programs. We we put all we we put as much as we can back in because of the people that we have. And you know the guys there. You know everybody there. It's it really is fantastic. So you know, I've already we've already publicly told everyone our appreciation uh personally we've told them and i mean i just want to say it here as well if you ever are in our area please come and train with these people come to the academy meet these people train with them because they're absolutely incredible people and and you know it has been sad seeing friends academies and people in our area going down because of this coronavirus um but it's also been very inspiring for us. And, you know, we've been able to take people in that have lost their jujitsu home and give them a jujitsu home. And, um, you know, it's literally because of our members. And that's what spurs to me creativity, because here's the thing. 
we could have sat there and said, hey, everyone's still paying. Let's take, you know, let's pay the bills and everything just kind of as normal and took advantage of that amazing thing, right? Where, you know, obviously I'm not like that. Brad's not like that. That just spurred us on to say, well, what can we do? What can we do back for, for everybody? And it's, it's an incredible story. I mean, um, other than the academy, I mean, so find us, right? Find us online, BJJ Lab Naperville, um, on the Instagram, Facebook, uh, our website, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, everybody's welcome to come and train. It's a great group of people. Um, I also just recently uh, got involved as an owner of um, the Fit Lifestyle Box, which is like a subscription box for um, fitness enthusiasts and just people in general, people who are interested in fitness. It's a subscription box. We send different products uh, every month, and, and it's a really cool thing. It was started by... Um, or, or the, the initial owner was a former student of mine that moved to Philadelphia. Uh, he also owns the BJJ box and he's an incredible guy. And me and um, Brad, Jonathan Gracie, all are involved now with the, the Fit Lifestyle box. And it's, it's very cool. And it's another one of those things where, you know, my eyes are just open for opportunity and, and hey, that's a great product. That's a great business with great people you jump on that, right? Um, so follow us on Instagram and all that kind of stuff there with the Fit Lifestyle Box. It's, it's a pretty cool thing. Um, and that's it. We're just kind of doing as we do. The academy's doing great. The businesses are doing great. The, the markets are, there's always something going on in the market. It's just everything's uh, everything's going well. It's, it's, it's incredible. And as tough of a time that it's been, with this coronavirus, I mean, I think we've added something since coronavirus ha happened. We've added over ninety members at the academy. It's silly, man. It's it's incredible. So, um, I don't know what we're doing that's so right, but we're just gonna keep keep doing it. You know. Well, I think you said it, man. You you're reciprocating the faith and the trust and the effort that people put in towards you. And I think, again, that comes from the top down. Brad is one of the nicest dudes. That guy, I talk to him almost, almost every day now. Um, he's linked me up with good people at, at the gym. I'm making great connections there. I mean, I got uh, John Brooks helping me with the nutrition stuff. You helped me with the jiu-jitsu stuff. Brad's helping me with stuff for this podcast. Like, it's just good people. I text back and forth with Steph about pastries, like once a week, you know, and I get hit up to Yuri. Like, you have just good people there of all shapes and sizes from – you know, somebody who rolls so technical like Stephanie, that's got a great personality and great jujitsu to tremendous, huge, giant people like Yuri. And, you know, it's just it, it's a really great mixed bag of all kinds of personalities that all came together and are all great people with great jujitsu. And it's, it's a really fun place. And it, it's been a while now that I've, I've seen it. I've seen the relationships start to come together. And I've seen, you know, like when I first started coming there, like, you know, you're the new guy, you're trying to kind of feel everything out. And now I come in and I just I see more and more, especially what you've done with that WhatsApp group, I think has brought another level of a sense of community. Like even last night, just kind of you popping in like, hey, what's going on? And people are watching the fights and everybody's commenting and people are interacting. And I, it's really, it's really a cool thing, man. I, I think what you've done there is absolutely impressive. And I think that sense of community, that sense of belonging and togetherness that everybody seems to have is exactly why you keep growing because everybody wants a place to belong. And from day one, 
when I've reached out to you and said, Hey man, I'm, I'm in the area. I'm looking for a place to train. And you call me and met me like, I think the next day or maybe even that day. And we just started training together and clicked. Um, you, you and your gym have always been very welcoming and very open. And I think that goes a long way because not all of them are like that. I've had the pleasure of, of having to, to be in a bunch of different places like that, but you, you're definitely not the gym that people should be intimidated to come in and try whether they're just starting out or they're smaller or bigger or whatever their holdup is. I mean, you definitely will be treated with open arms and with respect and feel like you, you belong there and you have people there that have your back, which I think is awesome. So I appreciate that you've done that and I'm sure everybody else does too. So thank you for what you've been doing. No, it's, uh, you know, and, and I think in the jiu-jitsu community, there are a lot of places and I think a lot of people always say it's very cliche. They say, oh yeah, the, you know, my academy, it's like a family, it's like this. And, and people say that, and I think there's a lot of truth to certain degrees about that. Um, you know, I've been to a lot of academies as well as a guest and doing seminars and all this. And, and there are some good, there are some fantastic academies with great atmosphere. I think we've taken that though, and we're putting it to another level just because, okay, there are a ton of great academies with great atmosphere, with great people. The way I think is, okay, let's take the top 10 of them, put them together and do better than that. Make it a cooler place, make it a better, you know, make it a better atmosphere, make it more welcoming, make sure that we have killers that will hug you kind of thing. Right. Um, and it goes down to, you know, you, you know, I open up my house to everybody. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very big on my house is like Abraham's tent, right? The flap is always open. You can come over, you can drink my whiskey, my food, spend time with me till, you know, when people come over here, they don't leave till four in the morning. And, <laughs> and that, that's not because I kick them out. It's because, hey, that's when they decide to leave. I'm not going to. I'm not going to kick everybody out. If you're coming over and we're spending time together and we're, we're building this bond as a team and, and, and all this kind of stuff, then that's, these are the things that happen. And, and we, we have that. I mean, you know, the, the girls, we have a big girls program, a female program, and they were all out on Friday night having sushi together and all this kind of stuff. I mean, our people hang out outside of the Academy. We don't have that asshole. We don't have that, that guy that no one wants to train with. We don't have that. Yeah, he's good, but he's really not nice, but we put up with him because we need his membership money. We, <laughs> we, we don't do that. Right. We don't. And, and I understand academies need members to stay open. And, and, and I've told Brad, I said, look, we're never going to do that. Nobody is, nobody is worth, you know, keeping around if they're not going to contribute to what we have here. And, and it's not even about the membership, right? I don't, I don't care. You can take your $100, your 100, whatever membership you're on, and you can take it somewhere else. I would rather have great people. And that's what we have. And that's what we've built. And I, and I think we're at the point now where if Mr. Grumpy decides to come in and see our environment, he's not going to feel comfortable being grumpy there. And he's going to go somewhere else. We just have that environment. And it, it is pretty cool. I mean, it blows me away. We have a bunch of really young guys that are all hanging out together. We have, it's just nuts. It's just absolutely silly. And, you know, to think I started teaching people kind of because Damien bugged me to, because four guys at, the, at a gym while I was working out said, Hey, will you teach us jujitsu? And I said, no. Right. <laughs> cause I, cause I didn't want it to, and, and it's grown into this where we have, you know, over 200 members and it's just, everybody's so close and the kids program is crazy and the, and the 
parents are loving what we're doing and it's just nuts. So, um, you know, we're just going to keep doing that and keep building it and, and really trying to do something big with this, you know? That's awesome. They can do big things, but don't clap. Oh yeah. No clapping. <laughs> no clap. Last thing before I let you go, man, give your music a plug. Cause I didn't get to do that for you last time. I almost, I almost forgot about it. I know you've been linking up with, uh, Billy Grazia today, who just, I, I just linked up with Ryan Ford and he did Grappling Central. So I'm excited to listen to that, but yeah, you got a whole music side. You haven't even talked about yet. Oh, uh, Billy's doing, uh, Ryan's book. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Has Billy done yours? Yeah. Oh, I'll have to listen for yeah. that. Um, yeah. I, I haven't heard that, but yeah, send me that one. But, um, yeah, so it's a strange thing, right? The, the music, um, I've always kind of been involved in music. I DJed a lot when I was younger and all this kind of stuff. My brother, the project we have, Mark and Adam is with my brother. Uh, my brother is, He's, he's an incredible musician, piano, guitar. He's literally incredible. Um, he just has that, if he hears a song and you say, hey, that one, if he's heard it, he'll play it, right? Uh, incredible singer and incredible, incredible music. Um, but we had never done anything together. And, and all these years, right? I mean, you're talking since kids, we never once thought like, hey, you're doing some stuff and I'm doing some stuff. Let's get together and do something. Maybe it was just because we're brothers. I don't know. But we never put it together. And then um, I think it was two years ago now, uh, my wife and I were pregnant again and we lost the baby. And, you know, I was very upset and she was very upset and she would go to bed early. She was kind of having some uh after effects of of losing the baby and stuff so she would go to bed early and i'm like you know i don't want to sit here and think about this and be upset or whatever and and you know pissed off and what all the emotions that go along with something crappy like that so i called my brother i said you know what come up and let's just do some music we we had no no project we weren't making music together so come up let's just take my mind off of it right let's hang out take my mind off of it and just goof around a little bit and um we did that and we started i can't even remember what got us actually starting to make some music i think he was playing piano or something i was like oh maybe we could do something with that so we started making some songs um it's it's like electronic music kind of very future based sound and that kind of thing and the music started to sound pretty good and we started doing a lot of stuff and and then we put it out to get signed and we started getting signed to labels and um it's just been it's been crazy i mean at this point we have people listening to our music from 80 more than 80 countries uh hundreds of thousands of plays on spotify and, and youtube and stuff it's you know we're, we're getting we have a big fan base in the gaming industry like video games, uh, because I'm not a big gamer. I mean, I do play like FIFA. I've played some Call of Duty. <laughs> my brother's big on like the Fortnite and all this. Uh, my son plays Fortnite and stuff as well. But, uh, you know, the, the label that we belong to are big in the gamer industry with these playlists and stuff. So we get a lot of fans from the gaming industry. And it's just crazy to be getting messages from random people like, uh, you know, oh, we listen to your music and all this kind of stuff. And, we actually just had one of our songs signed to a massive label there uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, 
huge label that like, you know, Afrojack, Armin uh, Van Buren, uh, Nicky Romero, tons of people have been, have released their music on this label. So we're really excited about that. That song will come out in April. Um, we've been able to work with Grammy nominated vocalists and vocalists that have worked on the Disney channel. And I just, it's just nuts, right? Billy's been a big help with a lot of advice with his, you know, decades of experience in the, in the music industry. And, and we're starting to do some really cool stuff and it's crazy. Like, you know, I talked a little bit before on the podcast about where I'm from and, and kind of the environment where I'm from in Scotland mm -hmm. and people, people where we're from don't experience stuff like this. So it's, it's pretty cool. We, we kind of, when we started getting a lot of attention, we didn't really know what to do with it, but, hey, what we're doing is making people happy. So we're just going to keep doing it and see what happens. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. The project is uh, Mark and Adam. If you go on Instagram or Facebook, it's at Mark and Adam Beat. Um, Mark and Adam on Spotify and iTunes and all that kind of stuff. You can find all our stuff on there. So um, you can check that out as well. It's, it's pretty cool when you just, you know, we sit and we drink a lot of whiskey and goof around and then it turns into something that hundreds of thousands of people are listening to it's just that's silly right it's absolutely silly but it's cool it's very cool nice man will you again not to be uh cheesy with the name but you bring your a-game in everything you do whether it's music jiu-jitsu training so i appreciate that you're always um you know you always inspire me to do more stuff and you're always offering to help other people do the same thing on and off the mat so you know, I, I appreciate you being a friend and being help, uh, help to me and, and doing this podcast and offering to help other people too. So any final thoughts before I let you go back and uh, enjoy your Sunday? No, man, that's it. I mean, if anybody has any questions or, or you know, needs me for any reason, just get a hold of me, get a hold of me on Instagram. I, I get back to everybody. Um, you know, it's Mark Turner BJJ at Gmail if you'd rather email me. Uh, anything. Right. If it's trading, if it's, I mean, whatever, how, how are babies made? Um, I'll help you out. Right. Uh, but that's it. Thanks a lot for having me on again. Um, obviously it's always great talking to you and, um, you know, it's fantastic to see the episodes of the podcast and, and see who you're getting in. It's crazy, man. Right. I keep saying, why in the world does Nick want me on his podcast? Right. Uh, with the, 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 the company that I'm in with guests that you have on your podcast. It's cool to see it growing. You're doing crazy stuff and it's, it's cool to see. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be your friend. Keep, keep it up, my friend. Thanks very much, man. You're welcome. Anytime you bring a ton of value to this and you're, uh, you're a welcome guest anytime you want to come on, man. So I'll hit you up this week, though, man. Let's catch up on the, uh, on the stock stuff and hopefully uh, I get to back down there to see you on the mat sometime soon. You can start beating me up again. Let's do it. All right. Have a great Sunday, man. Thank you. You're so